following is a sermon preached at Grace Church of Orange, California. Join us now as we go verse by verse through God's inspired, inerrant, infallible Word. We are talking about transformation today, and we're jumping ahead slightly in Romans to chapter 12, verse 2, about how we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. So I want to ask you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12 and stand with me as I read God's Word. I'm going to read Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be sensitive, pliable, even broken. But mostly, Lord, that we would be transformed as you work in us and through us for your glory. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Transformation takes two things, really. A powerful acting agent and then a yielded, willing subject. It doesn't matter what kind of transformation you're looking for. If you want a transformed house, you want to do a renovation or a model, you've got to tear down some walls and maybe uh, add some walls or add a room. If you want a transformed city, you're going to need to tear down some old buildings, rebuild. If you want a transformed body, if you want to build muscle or add tone or gain or lose weight you're going to have to eat right and exercise and stretch and do weights and get a trainer probably if you want to transform church uh, like we had the we've had the opportunity of helping grace rancho revitalize you really have to rebuild you have to restart you need a leader and a core team and and vision and it's hard work as we've seen we're talking today about gospel transformation we're talking about Christ-like transformation. And in the life of a believer, you see glimpses, glimpses of a transformed life. It doesn't happen all at once. You don't see a finished product on this way to heaven. What you see are glimpses of a life transformed as God uses his word in our yielded hearts. And this is what we're looking at today as we struggle through this life. I mean, even with the testimony from the Gleasons, uh, that was a struggle. Uh, The marriage, though, was transformed by the Word of God, by Jesus and the Word. And we know that as Christians, we know as families, as as, uh, individuals, as a church, we deeply desire uh, to, to live lives that are transformed by the gospel. And that all doesn't always show, does it? As we're struggling through this life, sometimes we find out that we are maybe more conformed to the world than we would have liked, and, and we are not being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Today I want to focus on just that one phrase in verse 2. The first phrase in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Next week, we're going to be back in Romans 11, and then we'll finish up Romans 11, then we'll get into Romans 12, and we'll look at that in depth. But I really want to look at this one phrase. 
Now, verse 1 sets the context. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So you sum up everything in chapters 1 through 11 in Romans. This is addressed to Christians, and it says that everything that was said in chapters 1 through 11 about justification, about sanctification, about glorification, it can all be summed up as this. Everything that God does in the life of a Christian is because of his mercy. He says, I I beseech you, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. We didn't do it. We didn't make it happen. We don't accomplish that. You can only credit the mercy of God. All credit to God. But our best motive for devoting our entire life uh, to Jesus is the mercy of God in saving us. If you're a Christian today, you know that God had compassion and pity upon you who were in need, you were lost, you were without hope, you were without God in the world, Uh, you heard the gospel message, you believed that Jesus died in your place on the cross, paying the penalty you deserved, and and you, you turned from your sins and turned to Christ, and, and you believe that Jesus is coming back, you're, you're staking everything in your life upon the gospel message. And if that's you today, that as we sum up everything in chapters 1 through 11, and how it is, can only be credited to God's mercy, the best motive you have for laying down your life, as verse 1 says, to, to present yourself as a living sacrifice, the best motive, is the mercy of God. The mercy of God alleviates the misery that sin brings. Mercy is rich. You see how bad your sin is. You see how beautiful the gospel is. And you're like, wow, all I want to do is, is serve Jesus. I've been delivered by him. I'm delighting in him. All I want to do is serve Christ. Your heart response is pure worship. That's what verse 1 basically says. In light of everything God does for you in Christ, your heart response is pure worship. It's like the psalmist said in Psalm 116, verse 12, what can I give to the Lord for all of his benefits to me? I'm gonna lay down my life. You're grateful for forgiveness. You're grateful for new life. You're grateful for joy in Christ. You're grateful for peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are are enjoying even eternal life, and so you're like, I want to serve God. Jesus, I'm going to choose to, to, to present my body and my mind and my gift all devoted to serving God because his mercy abounds towards me. I mean, you know that waking up today was gravy, really, if you think about it. If you're a Christian, that's just gravy. That's just icing on the cake. Just waking up. The mercy of God is so rich toward us. We think about it in terms of salvation, but what about you going to sleep last night and not keeping yourself alive all night? And you woke up today because God's mercies are new every morning. It just leaves us awestruck, doesn't it, at, at how amazing God is, at how wonderful he is, at how loving he is, how, how kind he is, how gracious he is, how merciful he is. And by the way, If you're a believer, you know this to be so true, so you have faith in Christ, 
and you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, you're like, yeah, I love Jesus. And it's not like poof and everything's 100% perfect in your life from here on out. Life is hard. It, it is a tough road and we're on the slow train to heaven. Uh, we're not on the bullet train and, and it's, it's taking a lot, of, uh, a lot of time, a lot of grief, a lot of effort, um, a lot of wondering, a lot of not knowing, right? We struggle through life as we process life. But here's what this verse tells us. Just that phrase in verse two. It, it tells us that being conformed and being transformed are both possibilities. And, and it's a choice that we make to either be conformed or to be transformed. This is in the context of being a believer based on all the gospel truth. This is you living. And it's basically like, you know what? This is going to affect my sanctification. I'm either going to glorify God or get ruined. That's it. And it's because of God's mercy that we actually are called to choose which one we want. Look at verse two. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Take the first phrase, do not be conformed. That's where we get our word scheme, okay? Uh, the schematic. It's, it's the idea of molding to a pattern, all right? Schematizo, that's the Greek word. And it literally is to mold into something, into the form where now it's imitating even the conduct and the character of the thing you're getting molded into. Now, I think of molding, I always think of a jello mold. I love a good jello mold. No one uses, no one does that anymore, do they? Like, let's make jello and put it into a mold that's shaped like something. You can put fruit in there if you want and all that. And it's got to be really cold and the consistency has to be right. It has to be thick jello. You know what I'm saying? We don't want it all running. But it's molded. I think about working with clay. And you're molding into what you want to do. Uh, kids, you think about uh, Play-Doh, right? And you're pushing Play-Doh into like a mold. This is about... This is about being formed into a shape that is already thought out by somebody else. And it's an imitation of not just the, the form, but the attitude and the character and the conduct of the thing. In fact, do not be conformed is a present imperative with a negative. Why is that important? It's because this is a command. It's not by the way, if you wake up today and you wonder, um, what should I do? Should I be conformed or transformed? I don't know what I should do. No, no, it's, it's this. Do not keep getting conformed. It is a command. It is an imperative. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. Do not be conformed to this world. The world wants to slip you into its shape. God wants active resistance. If I, you know, I would probably rename the sermon at this point, join the resistance today, because I want you to join the resistance today. We'll resist the world and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants active resistance to the world. The world wants shape-shifting. The world wants, wants you to just go right along with it, and God wants to bring about gospel transformation in your life. In both the Old and New Testaments, God calls for non-conformity to the ways of this hell-bound world. Hell-bent, hell-bound. Exodus 23 says this, Do not follow a multitude in doing evil. Deuteronomy 18, when you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. 
In the New Testament, Ephesians 4, Paul says, I affirm together with the Lord that you walk, Christians, you walk no longer like the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. But it had to be there because that's what was going on. Christians were actually walking like they used to live, living like they used to live, slipping back into their own old ways. James 1.27 says, keep yourself unstained by the world. James 4.4 says, in fact, friendship with the world is hostility towards God. You have hostility towards anybody? Doesn't feel good, does it? This says that whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So this isn't messing around, is it? This is serious. 1 Peter 1.14 says, Do not be conformed to the former lusts that were yours in your ignorance. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father isn't in him. That's strong. This, this verse, uh, verse 2, just that phrase at the beginning can be rephrased this way. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. It's going to make sausage out of you. Do not fashion yourself after the world. It, it, for a Christian to be conformed like this, it, it means that that you're living like an unregenerate person, someone who's not born again. You're looking like the world, and you're not looking just like the world as, as a, like outward appearance, but your attitudes and your conduct are actually being adopted that goes along with the world. Do not be. Very strong words. You can't get away from it. Do not be. It's a command. It literally means stop the action in progress right now. You're driving in your car and you get pulled over by a policeman and, and you hear a big loudspeaker, pull over now, you're doing that. That's what this is. Stop the action in progress. Stop what's already happening. You're already looking like the world. You're, you're already sucked into its mold. You've already adopted its mannerisms. Stop it. Just stop it. Ephesians 4 says this is not the way you learned Christ. And, and Paul gets sarcastic here. He's actually like, well, if you've heard of the gospel, like if you were taught in Jesus, um, if you know the truth about Jesus, then, then you've got to put off your old self. It belongs to your former manner of life. It's been corrupted by deceitful desires. And, and you're to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. You're to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's why this is so important. You ever seen a chameleon? They change colors, right? Master of camouflage, right? The chameleon blends into whatever limb or leaf he's on. Some people are like chameleons. They just get influenced by everything. They adopt the, the accent the mannerisms, the practices of wherever they're at. John says we know if, that we are of God and that the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one, Satan, the devil, the enemy of all that is good. The evil one wants to lure you away from what God intends in your life. If you're a Christian, 
It's like a lure, like a, like a fishing lure. Just, just dangling there. And it looks so good. And you're not to take that bait. Don't be conformed. This calls for continual watchfulness. This, this calls for ongoing carefulness. This calls for strength of character. How easily are, are we entrapped? How easily do we take the bait? How easily do we get entrapped by pornography? By gossip? By gluttony? By hatred? By unforgiveness? You have to examine your heart. You have to actually be aware. This is about your mind. It's going to drive what you do and what you think. You've got to examine where you go and what you do for your enjoyment and your entertainment even. And people will be like, oh, that's, you know, that's legalistic. No, it's actually loving Jesus and thinking it through and going, will this make me more like Christ? Will this make me more useful for the kingdom? Every Christian should be thinking, how can I be used for gospel purposes? Is this going to help further the gospel? Me doing this? Me watching that? Think about it. The world is only getting worse. And I, I hate to be the naysayer, but seriously, the Bible to- told us that. Evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is what is happening. And Christians are getting deceived all over the time, all over the place. In fact, we, we are so inoculated to it. We are so calloused. We, we see things that, that Christians shouldn't be seeing. We hear things. We, we do things. But a chameleon is just going to you know, match the surroundings. Don't, don't conform to the surrounding culture like chameleons. You have to reject the world's thinking and behavior. And, and by the way, you, you think about conformity, it's not so much looks. It's from the heart. It's from the soul. It's from the depths of your being. And the Jews were always focused on the outward behavior, right? Jesus did not ask for mere outward observance, mere external you know, physical obedience. There was to be a change in the heart that God brought about. But what Romans 12, 2 is saying to believers is you've already been transformed by the gospel. If anyone is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone's in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things have passed away, new things have come. But you don't live a perfect life. There's no one who does that except God himself. And so here you have us being told, but be transformed. That's a choice you're going to make because you've been transformed. So becoming transformed by the renewing of your mind is based upon regeneration, based upon getting born again by Jesus saving you. And when it says, but be transformed, exact opposite of being conformed. The exact opposite and just as strong. So just as strong as, as Paul is saying, don't be conformed, stop it now, it's already happening, He's saying, you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It needs to happen. Switch gears now. Put it in reverse if you have to. Go the right way. 
do not adapt to or conform to the world any longer, but be transformed by a renewer, renewal that is by the power of God, and, and it reflects the new character and new nature that you have as a believer, right? We don't assume that everyone's a believer. You know if you're a believer or not. And if you're not, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It's the best news I can give you. He died for your sins on the cross in your place. He was buried. He rose from the dead on the third day. He's coming back with life for those who believe and, and with judgment for those who do not. It's, it's that simple, folks. It really is. This is not so complicated. So God has transformed the believer's inmost nature. And, and then we're to actually live differently in a way that can't be mistaken. Be transformed. Two words that gets put together to get transformed. Meta and morpho. And we get the word morph, okay? Change completely into something else, right? Remember the transformer toys that uh, people used to play with, right? And, and it was like a car, and then all of a sudden it turns into a superhero, and you can go back and forth here, right? Well, this metamorphosis, we get the word metamorphosis from, from this, this Greek word, and what it is is this, it's, it's changing into another form, changing from one thing into another. It describes the transformation that happens when, when a caterpillar gets turned into a butterfly. The last time I checked, there weren't any you know, butterflies going back saying, I want to be a caterpillar again. You know, that was really cool. <laughs> I got stomped on all the time, you know. This is not a superficial fluctuation of you know, fashion or conduct. This is a vital change that happened in you when you came to faith in Christ and it's to be revealed in a new life so that what's on the inside would show out in, in gospel goodness and actually reflect Christ. So it's not what's outward and transient, it's what's inward and it's, it's an outward expression of that inner character, that new nature. You think about the word that's used here for transformed, it's metamorpho in Greek. It's four times in the New Testament. Twice it's translated transformed, twice it's translated transfigured. And that's actually about the, the transfiguration of Christ, where he took Peter, James, and John up on a high mountain, Mark 9, 2 tells us this, brought them to this high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. Literally, Matthew 17, 2 uses the same word. He was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. This is the Shekinah glory of God shining through. This is the glory of God shining through, so much so that Jesus' clothes were shining. The glory was shining through, even for those moments. And, and literally, Jesus' eternal divine nature was being revealed, being manifested in those moments to Peter and James and John. They were never the same. You want to blow your mind? Well, check this out. Similarly, for a Christian, we have a renewed inner nature and and second peter 1 4 says we share the divine nature christ in us the hope of glory we're being conformed to the image of christ we're, we're always human 
But our inner redeemed nature is to be completely manifested outwardly in daily thoughts and words and actions. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, We all with unveiled face are beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, being transformed into the same image from glory to glory from the Lord, the Spirit. Transformed. The, the outer change coming from an inner change. The outer change displaying character and the conduct of a believer in Jesus. It would match the spiritual condition. This is what you're growing into in Christ. And it says that you're to be transformed not by something you do, but by something that is done to you. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind's going to get renewed by something. Remember, transformation takes a strong, outward, acting agent, acting upon a yielded, ready vessel, basically. So by the renewing of your mind, you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you can't renew your mind. Your mind's warped. My mind's warped. Don't be conformed. Stop that. Don't let that keep happening, but be transformed. But it's something you choose. But, not, but it's not something you accomplish. You see now what's going on here? You, you choose it, you want it, but you can't accomplish it. Someone else accomplishes it. Something else accomplishes it. But you notice it takes place in your mind? That is key. It takes place in your mind. Now, if someone's an unbeliever, they don't believe in Jesus, they're not trusting in the gospel message, they don't respond to this truth. You know why? They can't. They do not understand. 1 Corinthians 2.14 tells us that. They don't understand. Here's what the gospel calls you to if you're not a believer. Repent and believe in Jesus. I'll say it again. Repent and believe in Jesus. Trust Christ. Interesting that the word repentance in Greek means to change your mind. You change your mind about God and about yourself and about your sin and about your need. For a Christian, the thinking is to be changed from the old ways of unregenerate thinking, uh, unsaved thinking, to new godly ways. And a lot of Christians are like, well, I'm just living the way I used to, but I got fire insurance. That's not going to cut it. The Bible does not teach that. The truth, the truth of the Bible forms convictions in your heart such that that translates into action. So there's not just this external change where you tack on, you try to tack on the fruit of the Spirit or something that looks like it, but it results from the change of your heart. And then your, your, your mind is altered in the way you think. And then you decide to act differently. You know that renewal here, which says the renewal of your minds, that word literally means to renovate. Right? You ever renovated anything? You got to rip out the old and put in the new. But this is not, well, I'm going to slap some new paint up, put some paint up and put some floors down, or I'm going to put some you know, new appliances in. This is a foundational change we're talking about here that happens in the life of a Christian. And really, transformation, ongoing transformation, you know what it really is if you boil it down? You getting out of your own way and allowing 
the Holy Spirit to change you by the word of God as you yield to Christ. The gospel, we say, changes everything, right? We say that. The gospel changes everything. And people are like, well, I didn't see any change in my life. It's because you're conformed to the world. You're, you're still conformed to the world. You're, you're allowing it to happen. You're walking to it. You're running to it. You're taking the bait. You gotta get to the point in your life where you go, you know what? I actually want to please God with everything in my soul. And actually, I know I'm sinful and I know I'm weak and I know I wander. But, but I wanna know. I really want to know, what does the Bible say about this situation I'm in? And how does the gospel transform it? How does what Jesus did at the cross transform this? I got my same brain, my same mind, my same toes, my same arms, uh, same personality, same muscles, and what have you. But I, I've, I've got different desires now because Jesus changed my life. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That tells me we have a choice. These are commands. Do you know that sin and righteousness both begin in your mind? You either choose to go in the right way or the wrong way. You choose to do what you do. We live in a world that was created good by God. It was corrupted by sin. Every Christian longs for the day when Christ returns and renews his creation and refashions the world and reflects his character. But until then, we basically have to reject corruption and live changed lives. Not in our own strength, in, in Christ's strength and for his glory. We need to fight for freedom. We, you need to join the resistance today if you haven't joined up. And if you got clouded and you got lost on the road, you need to get back in with the resistance and, and resist the world. You are either going to be conformed, basically forced into a slavish shape, or you're going to be transformed, which is where you're going to be remade and, and formed into a free vessel of God's grace and mercy. Because a Christian has freedom in Christ, but sometimes we go back to the, to the prison. We have the mercy of God. We have forgiveness. We have hope. We are being renewed. Uh, but it's slow growth, right? It's slow growth. So, so here's what happens in Christ. You notice this. You find the strength to go through life's toughest times because of Jesus. As your mind is transformed by God. Because transformation necessitates regeneration. And by the way, it's a good thing for you to ask yourself, am I really saved? Have I been born again? Have I been regenerated? That is something every Christian should be asking themselves. And let me go ahead and just roll you through that with some questions to maybe get some clarity. First, do you love Jesus Christ the Lord? Do you, do you love Jesus? Jesus and what he did. And are you trusting in his finished substitutionary work on the cross? And do you wander at times? And do you act out at times? And do you even rebel at times? And is your consistency not as good as you would like? And do you confess your sins to God? And do you sincerely repent? And do you desire to walk in freedom in Christ? And do you want to be led by the Holy Spirit? And do you want to be transformed by the word of God? And does your life look perfect? If your answers are yes, 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 no, 
then you might just be a real believer. What's the first thing anybody wants to do when they get saved? <laughs> Go tell people about Jesus. I love Jesus. He loved me first. He saved me. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I want to live for his glory, and I want other people too as well. This is what happens in the heart that gets transformed by Jesus and, and who, who, who is in the resistance and not thinking that they're a victim, but actually realizing this is the truth. This is the way life is. And every day from here until you meet Jesus face to face, it will be, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you catch glimpses of that life transformed as the Spirit uses the word to change your yielded heart. You change by the word of God. You change by the word of God. It's the main tool in God's toolbox, and, and you don't work at the word, it works on you. The workman handles the word accurately, but the Holy Spirit does the work. Our part is to bring ourselves under the word, under the influence of the word of God, and stay there, and receive it gladly, and not slip out from under it, and take the bait of the world. The word of God cleanses. This is like when you, your hands get dirty, you, you wash them, you don't say, well, you know, I'm going to wait till my weekly cleansing, my weekly hand wash or my monthly one, or whatever. No, that's not what happens. Or when your kids are out playing in the mud, and they're all dirty, you're like, you go and get some soap and water and clean yourself up. But they gotta actually go and get the soap and water and get under that to get clean. They're not the power that's doing it. The soap and water are doing it, but they have to make the choice to actually go. You, they come back all, you know, pig pen, and you're like, you didn't use the soap and water. You gotta be under the power to get clean. You gotta let yourself be under the power of the word of God and the transforming influence of the word of God and as the word of God pours over you, the spirit's gonna use it to bring about cleansing and renewal so that your mind actually begins to, to work right. That you actually value what God values. There is only one way to replace the world's faulty thinking, and it's with the infallible word of God. We are transformed as we are exposed to the word of God, as we are, to faithful exposition of the scriptures and, and personal Bible study and group Bible study. This is why we are absolutely convinced and committed to being a church that preaches the word of God and prays the word of God and sings the word of God because it helps all of us to have renewed minds. And there is no shortcut. You have to fill your mind with the word of God. Jesus said, sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. You gotta let the bare word of God change your mind. You have to let it happen. Or you will be conformed. And you will get ruined. What did the Gleason say in that video? In that testimony they gave? Single most important thing they did was read God's word together over two years. They let the bare word of God sink into their souls and actually change them. And it wasn't a quick fix. It was a long process of slow growth. Welcome to the Christian life, people. You change by the word of God. But coupled with you 
changing by admitting weakness. You actually admit that you are weak and Christ is strong. That you confess your sins, that you humble yourself, that, that you know that God's power is made perfect in your weakness. And you admit how much you get conformed to the world and how much it's like quicksand and how much it's like a magnet and how much you really like it. You ever try to stop eating sugar? It's tough. It's a battle. By the way, this is why we need to get together every week and, and get into the word of God because we leak. We're like a spaghetti strainer. We're like the colander, right? Uh, we're leaking through and we need, to, we need to get refilled. Jesus never leaks. Jesus never, never fails. He never falls. He's always with us. Christ in, up is our, Christ in us is our hope of glory. Jesus is with us always. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Aren't you glad, Christians? Aren't you glad? We need to know the power of God. True lasting change only happens by God's power. Jim Elliott was a missionary in Ecuador in, in the 40s and 50s, and he, he was killed by the very people he was trying to reach for the gospel. And he wrote a lot of journals, and, and, and one, he said this. He said, it makes me boil when I think of the power that we profess and the utter impotency of our action. Believers who know one-tenth as much as we do are doing 100 times more for God with his blessing and our criticism. True lasting change only happens by the power of God. You change by the word. You change by just admitting your weakness. And you you change by doing the word. You change by doing the word. There are so many Christians who are like, I know all this stuff but you're not doing that stuff. James said it really clearly. Don't just be hearers of the word that deceive themselves. Be doers of the word. You gotta do what it says in the power of the spirit. Your mind changes by active practice of the word of God. As as verse two says, that by testing you will prove what the will of God is. As Hebrews says, that by practice, you would have your senses trained to discern between good and evil. You change by doing the word, not just by hearing it, but by doing it. And this might be a little counterintuitive, but you also change by helping others with the word. I don't know if you realize how much you are changed by God as you are helping others with the word of God. You bless others those especially those closest to you that you help those closest to you i just heard a story the other day of a guy fishing with his friend and his friend was caught in a really strong current and 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 his friend tried to he tried to save his friend and the current was too strong and his friend lost his grip and he was literally swept under and away he didn't make it he died we have to rescue those caught in a strong current we got to hold them fast. We have to make sure that those we love and those we are close to don't get too close to strong currents. If seductive teaching of sinful choices. Look, it's Father's Day today. It's Father's Day. Praise God for dads. Praise God that we have a loving heavenly father. But I'll tell you, a great example of helping others with the word is a Christian father who has a transformed calling. If you're a Christian father, you have a transformed calling to succeed at something, to succeed at one thing, not a list of 20 things, 
One thing you are to succeed at, it's to implore your kids to walk in a manner worthy of God. It's to teach your kids the word of God. Many Christians ignore the number one aspect of Christian parenting. It's not raising good citizens. It's not getting straight A's. It's not getting kids through school. All good things, right? Raising good citizens, getting straight A's, getting through school, all good things. Not the primary thing for a Christian parent. Primary thing, Ephesians 6, bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It is not the church's responsibility, it is yours. You're like, well, we get that on Sunday and Wednesday. Yeah, you try eating twice a week only. Well, lose some weight, I guess, won't we? Parents, bring your kids up to love Jesus. Kids, here's your job. Honor and obey your parents, number one. Many parents will say, oh, I don't know how to teach my kids the Bible. Well, honestly, many don't have any desire to do so. Many don't love Jesus and the word of God. They love the world too much. They're too conformed to the world. They have a greater hunger for the world than for the word. Here's how, here's how it happens. You learn by doing. It's like what in marriage. You get wise counsel and you do what the word says. Just don't make any excuses that you don't feel equipped. Please, 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 please. Just do this. Christian dads, by the way, I'm not hammering you. I am helping you. I am helping you more than you know. Just do the next praiseworthy, excellent, right, true, pure, lovely, admirable, and noble thing that's Christ-honoring that's right in front of you. And open up the Bible with your family so that they could have their mind renewed. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But Christians are to feed themselves and to feed others. You are responsible, Christian dads, for one thing with your kids. One thing. I am not hammering you. I am helping you on Father's Day. What did you expect, right? Help your spouse and kids. Point them to Christ and Scripture. Seriously, Christian men, listen to me. Just listen to me. It's it's Father's Day. Okay, good. Your life, your wife, your kids, your work... Everything you do in life is actually dependent, Christian men, on how you respond to the word of God and to the world. Whether you will be conformed or transformed. Whether you will help your family be conformed or transformed. You are going to choose the word or the world. In your soul right now, every one of us, in your soul right now, there is a renovation going on for good or evil. Just don't cave in to the pressure to conform. I'm begging you. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God to transform us. Our our minds are renewed by the word of God. The only way to to renew the mind of man is to bring a more powerful force upon it. To tower over it. To love it. uh, To dwell in it. And to change its affections. Jesus is the living word. He uses the written word to change our affections, to to speak peace and life to our souls. 
I, I want to I strongly exhort you to take every opportunity you have to be under the word of God and not just hear it, but do it. Let it have its full its let it have its full effect on you. You would surrender to God, that you, that you wouldn't resist the word of God, but you would love it. You know, as a pastor, I get, to, I get privileges that I wish everyone got. I get to see the faces of those going through tough times. And that as, as they hear the word of God read, their faces light up, their hope gets focused, their, their spirit lifts even if they can't read themselves the word of God, just, just the word of God and hearing it and changing their perspective. I get to see the light come on when, when someone goes, wow, that truth, that, that was like, that truth was, was cloudy to me before, but now I understand it. I get to see, you know, God changing families by his word and, and people by his word and leaders by his word and men and women, boys and girls just getting transformed by the word of God. I, I love, absolutely love hearing of fathers cracking open their Bibles and sticking their noses in the word of God with their family and considering it a joy and a privilege because they know how important it is. The world is going to continue to try to press you into its mold. You can relent. You can choose that. You can allow yourself to be shaped by the world. You take the path of least resistance or you can join the resistance or rejoin right now, right now. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord God, we acknowledge that our minds do not get renewed unless the word is handled accurately and, and, and that we hear it gratefully and, and even just obey it as we hear it. We don't wanna resist the word, Lord, we want to resist the world. And thank you, Lord, thank you for the, for the hope, for the encouragement of catching glimpses of, of a life transformed as you use your word to change our yielded hearts. We thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are faithful. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Grace, please visit our website at graceorange.org. 